Hello, listeners. This is Justin Hollander. Welcome to the Cognitive Urbanism podcast. Really happy to have you join today. So, yeah, I'm, we're at this point right now. It's um, I'm recording this on February 16th, and we're at this point with the pandemic, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, that you know, we're, just, we're just so hopeful, I think, here in the U.S., there's a really a sense that we're rounding the corner. Um, vaccines are, are proliferating both here in the U.S. and, and uh, throughout the world. But we're not at normal yet. And, and so this is um, a big problem for anyone who needs to do research because in the urban planning, urban development, urban design fields, the way that we often do research, the way we learn about communities and learn about what's happening in the built environment is by going out there and like going places and talking to people. And that is hard. That is actually quite hard to do during this pandemic. So. You know, I think we're all kind of hopeful that things will change soon. Of course, I have been uh, saying that for about 11 months, 12 months now. So soon is uh, not quite soon enough for a lot of people. So, so uh, you know, I think the most kind of common example here is around someone who's involved in uh, like an academic program, for example, a, a master's degree or a PhD. I mean, many of these people are required as part of their coursework to do some sort of original research project, whether it's part of like a master's thesis or a special project, capstone, um, or dissertation. And so what we've had to do within the urban studies, urban affairs fields is, is really kind of be creative about expanding the notion of what, what what acceptable types of research are. And so not, not everybody as part of, for example, a, a master's capstone will go out and meet people, interview, visit places. No, that's, that's not uh, the only way. There are other ways. And, and actually, I'd like to introduce an interesting parallel here with another field, which is chemistry. So I have a friend, and he is a, a chemistry researcher and so for years, he has had a lab. So you can imagine, you know what happens in these chemistry labs. They've got these, like, the beakers and the vials and, and Bunsen burners, right? <laughs> right, so, this, so the chem- chemists are very much face-to-face, very much in closed-in spaces. So that, um, that's really hard today. Now, in the field of chemistry, it just so happens that there has been an emerging kind of subfield called quantitative chemistry. Now, of course, I don't know anything about this. This is just, this is what my friend told me about. But in quantitative chemistry, there's no lab. It's all done on the computer. And so what a quantitative chemist is doing is using all kinds of data sets and public information and and examples and output from other lab tests to do their research. And, And I'm sure they're using all kinds of advanced uh, you know, data analytics, data science, statistics, et 
to make sense of, of that information and, and, and do research, make an original contribution that way. Well, anyway, so back to my friend. So here, um, back in you know, March of uh, 20, 2020, his lab was shut down. And as were you know, most, most uh, laboratories throughout the country where they weren't doing something that was um, you know, particularly relevant to the pandemic, and so he's working from home. So lo and behold, quantitative chemistry looks, looks pretty interesting. And, um, and so you know, his telling of it is that it really, it's really actually great. You know, he's, really, he's really kind of gotten excited about quantitative chemistry. And he really sees this as, as a really great way for him to be able to advance his research and ask some of the same questions he was asking in, uh, in, in the in-person laboratory. So let's get in, getting back to uh, cities and urban planning and design. So there is another option for anyone who is in a position where they, they have to do research. They have to learn about a place or a community or people. And that's urban social listening. And I've actually talked about this topic in some of the previous podcasts. So if you're a regular um, hopefully that's that's a, a familiar term. So urban social listening is a approach to understanding what's going on in a community, to understanding people, but using primarily social media, but other you know big data sources. So it's kind of like our version of quantitative chemistry. And so. The reason that I've decided to kind of focus uh, this this podcast episode on this topic is because over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten three inquiries from people, just like I mentioned before, uh, two master's students and one PhD student, who have all kind of come to grips with this idea that they can't do the kind of research that they wanted to do for their um, educational requirements. They can't go to the location. They can't travel to the where they want to go. They can't interview people face-to-face or focus groups, um, the, what they really were hoping. So how do they understand what people care about? How do they understand what's important to them? Well, so this is where the urban social listening comes in because people are every day throughout the world sharing publicly what it is that they care about, what they think about, what's important to them. And so these are being these ideas are being posted in both text form, emoji form, and image form. And so what I've been really excited to be part of in my my book Urban Social Listening, which I co-authored with a bunch of colleagues and former students, published in 2016. So for five years, this has been you know, my opinion, my humble opinion, you know, the seminal work that kind of lays out and says this is how you can do research. Human human knowledge, human understanding, but to do it in an unobtrusive way where you just systematically capture those ideas that are being promoted on, on social media, the, the, the sentiments of those those texts and those posts and those images. And, and, and what we understand is that if you can be systematic about it, and if you have a large sample size, which, you know, in terms of like some of the major uh, social media outlets, so some pretty big sample size, 
you can you can say something meaningful about what's going on in a place. And frankly, in some cases, it's going to be a lot more insightful than interviewing someone. You know, in any kind of social science research method is going to have all kinds of biases built into it, right? So when you when you sit down with someone and interview them, there's going to be social desirability bias. You know, people are going to give you the answers they think you want to hear. Um, there's all kinds of other telescoping bias and uh, problems related to wording questioning, double-barreled questions, and, um, you know, th th there's there's just a world of problems with any kind of research method. So so I don't want to, like, suggest that urban social listening, that this, this, this kind of approach um, is flawless, but but they all have flaws. And so, so we're in a pandemic. And so, you know, I'm really excited that, that this is an attractive option for, for folks who otherwise, you know, really kind of feel stuck. So, so I, I, I do want to uh, conclude by saying that, that when there are two pieces, one is that you, when uh, someone has to do research, whether it's for their profession as they're, they're a scholar or they're a student scholar, and they can't go out there um, there are other things you can do. You don't have social media data and social listening. It's not the only avenue. I mean, people look at government data sets and they do mapping. Um, so, th so there are other other strategies out there. But um, but to really get at kind of what people care about, what they what, what's what's important to them, this is one that I think is really exciting. And then I just want to close by by kind of talking to the practitioners out there who, you know, maybe you are a city planner and a government agency, or maybe you work as a public policy professional in uh, state government, or you do consulting uh, around the built environment. For, for all of these folks, even though you might not be getting a, a master's degree or writing a thesis, uh, research is a big part of your work too. And so the question again becomes, how are you going to find out what people care about, what's important to them, to be able to answer those questions that you have um, as part of your research. And, and even if you're not going to uh, do this research project as part of a degree, if even it's for just internal uh, purposes for your own agency or for your own company, um, I think that the urban social listening approach really can be a powerful way for you to understand what's going on in a place that people care about, what people care about, what's important to them, without having to violate social distancing, without exposing yourself or others to, to hazards and without having to, um, you know, represent a, a, a threat to the kind of overall pandemic safety guidelines that, that we're all working, working so hard, so hard to follow. So I um, welcome any questions or comments on this or any of the other podcasts uh, that are on the episodes that are in this podcast. So, you know, definitely do not hesitate to reach out. And I hope to stay in touch with a future episode. And I, you know, hope you have a good day. Take care. <laughs>